It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. This episode is sponsored by an awesome new app called the No Filter app. And it's basically like... It's a giant map with all the hidden gems and really good photo locations all around the world. So what you can do is you can upload your own cool photo locations that you've discovered. And there's more than 13,000 spots on this map and around 100 new spots added every week. So you can open up the map and it's got a GPS pin drop where you can go to that specific location and find an awesome photo opportunity. And Marissa, I know you just got to Playa del Carmen. Did you see any there when you opened up the app? Yeah. I was so curious to open and see what was on here because I've been here a lot, but there were some spots on there that even I had never seen or thought to go take pictures at. So it's such a cool app. You and I travel so much that I feel like anywhere you get to, you can just open up the map, see where the cool Instagram photos are, see where the cool photo ops are in, in any location that you go to around the world, which I love. And yeah, you can create, looks like on there, you can create different folders and different places that you want to go or that you've already been to. So yeah, I also love that this is made by a fellow digital nomad who reached out to us, which is so fun. We love a good digital nomad company. But yeah, anything else to add, Jeff? You know, I'm terrible at taking photos. You've traveled with me and I'll take, I'll be I do know that. side by These will make your photos better now. <laughs> I hope you're going to send me the perfect one from Cape Town. Have you found some cool spots there? It's a, it's like a cheat sheet and there are cool spots all over the place on hikes that I'm going to be going soon. So I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. You guys go check it out. Check out the no filter app. Give it a download. Even check out the website. Probably just download the app is probably the way to go. Yeah. Give it a look. Very, very cool. Love it. Yep. You can go to getnofilter.com or just go to the app store to no filter and send us your cool pictures that you find and that you take from these locations. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. I've got Jeff and Marissa today. Marissa, location check. Where are you? I'm in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I just jumped on with a big smile on my face because I just got here telling Jeff because it's one of my favorite locations and I'm just so happy here. So that's where I am. Where are you, Jeff? You are beaming right now. You are absolutely <laughs> glowing. <laughs> in, you are glowing. You're absolutely in love with life. I'm so glad that you are. This is like a second home for you. It's like a soul city. It's like the best way I can describe it. One of those places where you get it to and is. you're like, ah, I've been, I've lived here before in a, in a past life. Or it's the only way that I can actually <laughs> make sense of that feeling that happens when you, you get there. You know, that. I love and the you've past life conversations, Jeff. And yeah, I the I'm energy cheating. here. I want to do an episode. I know. I want to do an episode on like just the energy of places at some point, because mm-hmm. some places you just arrive and you're like, I don't even know why, but I'm just like jump up in my, in my joy, like without just being yep. the same. And that's how I feel here. But you are in Cape Town right now. How do you, how are you feeling there? Still in Cape Town. Went on a trip to Plettenberg and we got a a huge villa overlooking the ocean, just like everything you could imagine about in a beautiful estate with a gorgeous <laughs> view of the ocean with some of my best friends. And it was absolutely fantastic. I just got back here to, to Cape Town last night after driving on the wrong side of the road for seven hours with no problems. Mm. Thank God. A little fist Good job. There. Good job. You were they, worried about that when we chatted last I week. <laughs> very concerned about that. I, I thought in my brain I was going to drive to the wrong side of the road and there were a couple of veerings that were a little questionable, yeah. but I managed to, to, to survive. I always find when you're following traffic, it's pretty easy to stay. But when you mm-hmm. have no one around and you get to a four-way stop, it's like, which lane do I turn into? That's where it gets confusing to me. <laughs> little left, robust right. That's what I kept it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Rachel oh, that's kept funny. telling me. Never little left, that. robust okay. right. That's a good robust tip. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Amazing. today we are going to talk about you. This is your story. We're going to go back to the beginning of Marissa time, and we're going to bring everybody up to present because Marissa has a very interesting story in how she got into marketing and how she get, became a coach and how she became a digital nomad. So we're going to dig into all of that stuff and uncover all of your secrets here today for the entire <laughs> world. How does that sound? Oh, man. 
all of my secret sounds intense. I told Jeff before we started, I was like, I'm pretty much an open book. Not much is off limits with me. But it's fun because we did your story, Jeff, a while back. And we haven't done either my or Diego's kind of full story. We've done so many episodes and we keep meaning to get to it. But there's so much we want to share about mm-hmm. jobs and career and just, you know, tactics and digital nomad life. But I think our stories are, are so important and hopefully for anyone listening, inspirational of, you know, maybe you relate more to Jeff or more to me or more to Diego or some of the other guests. But we're excited. Yeah, I'm excited to share the story because I hope it helps you if you're listening to to know that this life is possible for you too. Okay, with that, let's go back into Marissa's time machine and we're going to go talk <laughs> about college. So you study, I want to hear about your studying marketing because you're like me, one of the few people that I know that actually did what they studied. So mm, what, what what was it that got you, what inspired you to get into marketing and what continues to inspire you about marketing? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I went to college, I remember my parents, my dad specifically saying, you know, I, I thought I wanted to study business. Both of my parents were, you know, entrepreneur-ish. A lot of my family was all very businessy. And so I just kind of assumed it's it's what I would do. And I remember my dad saying, you know, you have your first year before you really have to decide what you want to major in or really a year or two sometimes. And I went to the University of Michigan and I just, I loved the school. They had a great business program. And I actually went not knowing how good it was. I just loved the school and felt kind of like the energy I feel in Playa. I felt that about Michigan as well. I just walked on campus. I was like, I love it here. And when I was, so my first year, I really left it open to try all different classes and, and learn about different things. And I really realized like business was what I was just genuinely most interested in. And I'd always had a background or just, when I think about high school, like I was really good at math and science, but I also was like editor of the yearbook. Like I loved creativity and I loved visuals and, you know, scrapbooking, <laughs> just like weird stuff like that. And to me, marketing was sort of like that perfect blend of analytics and this sort of creativity. But when I, so I, I ended up, we had a three-year business program at Michigan and it was actually really intense. I joined my friends, all of my college friends were non-business friends. And they nicknamed me B-School for business school because it was just like such an intense program. And I'm like of my friends, I was like the intense person. But like within the business school, everyone was so much more intense than me. And I, I really didn't like that. But with that said, it was a three-year program. It was really intense. And pretty much there was four paths once you went into business. Everyone graduated with the same sort of business degree. But you pretty much either, I guess, focused in finance, accounting, consulting, or marketing. That was That was just what you did. There wasn't really a question. Entrepreneurship wasn't really as big back then. It was just like, yeah, that, that's all there is in the world. It was kind of like all, all I knew and the only options I thought that I had. So as I think about progression of where I am today, like I didn't know any of this was an option, which we'll get to. But of those options, like marketing is what called to me most. And I did enjoy a lot of it, but we can talk about, yeah, we can go down that path. So when you go to marketing school, you, you also have to yeah. take a lot of other business courses. You mentioned like yes. accounting. What were you best <laughs> at and what were you worst at? Oh my God. Accounting was my worst subject. Like Me I was too. always a, like maybe all marketers are just like accounting is not logical. I always think about myself. I was always naturally like a really good student school. I was very grateful. I feel like you and I, when we talk about like our high school experiences, you're like, I just fucked off into whatever. I was like, I was a good, you know, I did a lot. I had fun too, but I was always like a pretty just like straight A intense student. So for me, like economics and finance and honestly, my best one, we called it, it was like Mark, what was it called? Like something about organization market or management. But as I look back on it, it was like dealing with people in an organization, which should have been, it was like the only time I ever got like an A plus in a business class because ours were graded on a really hard curve. And that's because I feel like all the financing numbers people were like, what do you do with people? And I was like, this is my jam. Like this, it was so easy. It made so much sense. And looking back, I should have probably gone down like an HR path or recruiting or something like that. But like that just, I didn't know that was really an option for me. But accounting was the one class where I feel like I could just study forever and ever. And I was like, this just doesn't make logical sense. Like I don't, this is not computing in my head. It, it still doesn't like, I feel like you and Diego and I talk, we're always like, let's, someone else needs to do our accounting because it is not our forte. It's, I like numbers, analytics. I know you love analytics too, but it's 
Accounting is just nonsensical to me. <laughs> they're, they're different numbers and they've got weird rules. Yeah. And a lot of weird times- Weird rules. You, it's made up. <laughs> it is. And when you talk to an accountant, they'll say, hmm, sometimes or maybe. And I'm like, what do you mean sometimes or maybe? It's numbers. <laughs> like, how, how do right. numbers yes or no. sometimes what is the rule? Okay and sometimes Why was this not? rule made? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So you leave college with your degree. And yeah. did you mm-hmm. immediately start working at Pepsi? I did. So I actually, even before I graduated, between my junior and senior year, I interned at Pepsi. So at at Michigan, our business school has a really intense recruiting program. And I feel like this is actually where I learned a lot of what I teach today. I worked in our career center. I volunteered. I ran our like my senior year, I like ran our marketing club and helped people with their resume and, and interviewing and all of that. So again, looking back, these are all little clues of like, I genuinely love doing that. And it's what I do today. But I was like, must be a marketer. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But yeah, so Pepsi, I joke because so I'm from Atlanta, which is Coke world. That's where Coca-Cola's headquarters are. Didn't know that. And I was very Coke loyal. Yeah, growing up. And I knew that I wanted to move to New York City after graduation. I had a lot of family who lived there. And it was just like, I just yeah wanted to do the whole New York City thing. I knew I wanted to work for a big global, you know, I thought at the time I wanted to work for this like big global company where the work mm-hmm. I was doing, like I could see all over the world. And we called them CPG, which is consumer packaged good companies. Mm-hmm. A lot recruited from Michigan. So Pepsi was one of the only ones that was in New York. And I actually remember I applied for an interview. It was the Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. on campus after my 21st birthday weekend in which I had like friends, my family came up, like I was drinking a lot out. I I think I was like, my voice was so hoarse I could hardly talk. And it was 8.30 a.m. as a college student. It's basically like 4 a.m. now. And I remember getting the job offer and I was like, what were they thinking? <laughs> like I was a mess, but I loved Pepsi. And because as, as I looked at all the companies I applied to, I really related to the people there. Like they felt like my kind of people, they were like really fun, but hardworking and smart. And anyway, so I interned there between my junior and senior year and then had a job offer from there. So I knew my whole senior year was like much more chill when everyone else was stressing about what they were going to do. And then I moved to New York full-time right after college. Well, I actually traveled for a couple months. I went backpacking through Europe for a month, which I didn't like. We should talk about that. It's just kind of ironic. And then I started at Pepsi a couple months after I graduated. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Why didn't you like your trip through Europe? Yeah, it's important now. So it's funny. I went with my best friend from college and my best friend from high school. And it was sort of one of those typical, like, you just backpack around. Like, it was like France and you went to like Paris and Amsterdam and Munich. And I can't remember. It was like 10 different countries. Went to like two or three places every day. I think we're in like in Vienna. And I can't remember where else I went at this moment. Unimportant. But as you know very well, Jeff, I really don't like Europe. When we talk about energy of a place... I know people think I'm crazy because Europe is a very large continent, but like the energy of Europe just doesn't vibe with me. I'll still go. I've been to like 30 countries in Europe. It's not like I'm never going to go back. But if you look at me, just like the moment I land in Playa in Mexico or you put me in a country in Europe, like I'm, I'm just not as happy in Europe as a natural state. And I also don't like traveling to cities, which I've later learned in life. Like I love being in little beach towns. I love traveling just like through nature and hiking and when we did this Europe trip, I just didn't know any better. And we just went from big city, like to, from Rome to, you know, like big city to big city to big city to big city. And, you know, I didn't know my travel style back then. So after that trip, I was like, you know, I had fun with my friends, but like, I didn't really care that much about, it wasn't like, it, that didn't spark my love for world travel. In fact, I was like, I don't know, that, like, I don't really like these cities. Maybe travel's not that cool. So it's kind of funny looking back on it. If I had just stopped there, like, I would never be where I am today. So you continued working for Pepsi in New York. Yeah. And then yeah. at some point, you ended up taking a sabbatical. Yet you say that you loved Pepsi and you say that you loved yeah. the people that you worked with. What didn't click with you or what jumped out at you and made you say, I need to get out for a while and reassess my life, <laughs> which you would call lot, your quarter yeah. life crisis, right? And a lot of people yeah. have quarter life crisis. I did have a huge quarter, quarter life crisis. I'll walk you sort of like what led up to that and then the moment of the quarter life crisis, okay. <laughs> like the, the moment. So when I think about Pepsi, I feel like I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I I genuinely thought it was what I wanted, right? It was like, I graduate from college, I get the business degree, I get the big, you know, corporate company. And 
Pepsi was cool because, like, in my job, we I got to work with a lot of celebrities. Like, we did projects with, like, with Lil Wayne, with Beyonce. I worked closely with Sofia Vergara. I was doing, like, music videos with Snoop Dogg. Like, that was my life. And in theory, it was, like, that was cool when I was in my young 20s and everyone else was doing weird jobs and was, like, we had so many perks at Pepsi. And I just genuinely loved the people that I work with. And I actually met, I started dating, I had a boyfriend who, like, started in my, my class. We're, like, the same level and worked on different teams. But he, you know, we later got engaged, which I'll talk about that in a little bit. But it was it was just, like, I loved the people at Pepsi and I loved, like, the thought of getting to work on big brands and working with celebrities and doing cool things. But when I look at the reality of it, one, so Pepsi's office is, if you go in like the middle of the night with no traffic, it's about a 45 minute drive, but you had to take a bus or a train and it took about an hour and a half door to door, like with traffic and stops to get from my apartment, like to Pepsi each day. So that's like three hours of my literally every single day that I got, you know, if you think about that amount of time, you could sleep another two hours and go to the gym for an hour and like that really wears on you. So that was really hard. And then as I look at it, it was a really intense like business place. We used to joke like there'd be people running around the office, like sprinting from meeting to meeting, like really seriously. And I remember someone in my office one day being like, why is everyone running around? Like we're not doctors. Like there's no soda emergency. Like people's lives are not on the line. People like, it was just a very, like, like any company really, it was a pretty stressful environment. And it was stressful of like, you really had to navigate all the politics of like, we'd switch teams every year to year and a half and, you know, promotions and raises. And it was just like a lot to navigate. And then at the end of the day, I would say like the, the two other big reasons I ended up wanting to leave. One, and such a giant company. And I think people, some people love big companies. Some people love really small companies. I felt like if I just disappeared, like if the work I did just didn't exist, if I disappeared, like Pepsi sales probably weren't going to change. Like it is a massive company. And if Coke just like drops their price at Walmart one week, like that impacts the sales more than anything I could do. So I, at one point I was like, you know, what impact am I really making? And then at the same time, I feel like I also just started to prioritize my health more and was like, I don't know, like, I don't drink soda as much anymore. I don't like use, I don't like, I don't know how I feel about promoting these products in the same way. Like at first I was like, well, maybe I could do brand marketing for like Nike or Adidas or Under Armour. Like I loved sports. I was always an athlete my whole life. So that was kind of my initial thought to leave. But those were the things that I liked and disliked about my time at Pepsi, but I learned a lot about marketing from really wonderful people. That's for sure. And then with the sabbatical, so I started dating someone, we moved in together, living together, working together at Pepsi. And this was probably three years into working there and living in New York. I had realized I was like, I'm, I'm ready to leave New York. Like I loved it. I loved my time here. A ton of my best friends all lived there from, from high school and college, but I was like New York started to just feel really draining and tiring to me. And with that, I just, I didn't know where else I wanted to go. Like nothing else seemed more appealing, but I knew it wasn't right. And my boyfriend at the time got a random call from a company in LA and he flew out to interview. And he basically was like, if I get this job, like, will you, will you come with me? And I was like, definitely. Like that's, as, you know, I had my, some family who lived in California. LA was never, you know, where I thought I would choose to live, but it was like a better option to me than New York. So he got that job. He moved out there. And I basically, I think we had like three months left of our lease. And I told Pepsi, I basically said, look, he's moving out there. He took this job and they knew him very well. They knew both of us and were super supportive. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to move there at the end of April. I think it was like January at the time or something. And I said, like, I hope that, you know, I want to keep working for Pepsi. I hope you can find a remote position, but like, this is what I need to do. So I'll let you interrupt before I keep going. Cause that's like when I took a sabbatical and travel, but any questions before I go onward? Keep, keep going on. Okay. <laughs> like the long story. So, so with that, I had said like my, my lease is up, it's ending. And this is where my travel bug actually kicked in. So I'm tech, I say I'm technically Jewish. Both my parents are Jewish. I'm not a religious person at all, but this has a point in the Jewish religion. There's something called birthright for people who live. I don't know if it's just in the U. I think it might just be the U.S., but maybe other countries as well. And basically to keep the Jewish religion going, there's this like fundraisers that basically pay for anyone who's Jewish before you're, I think it's between the ages of 18 to 26. They might have raised the ages. 
they'll pay for you for a full trip to go to Israel and basically like learn your heritage, learn your birthright. And so the the flights are paid for, paid for all of your accommodation, like a lot of the meals, everything is covered. And I'd had a lot of friends who had like I was busy, you know, with college and working and career, blah, blah, blah when all my friends had gone back like years ago. So I'd kind of missed the boat. And I was 26 at this point when I was about to move to LA. It was the last year at the time I could do birthright. And something in me just said like, I feel like I should take advantage of this free trip. Like why not go check it out? And I did this one. It was kind of like the least religious of the options. It was called like, Birthright Extreme or something. And basically, we went to Israel. There was a little, you know, there was some religious stuff involved. But we had this awesome guide from South Africa who had served in the Israeli army. And we hiked probably like five times a day. We were like up at six in the morning, going to sleep at midnight, just like hiking, exploring, climbing through caves. Like it was epic. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I like this travel. And you can extend your flight, your trip to your flight back. So I was with, I have a friend from college who's just like a very spontaneous person, sort of like I am. And I had, she had been living with me, like she had broken up with her boyfriend and I was living with her for the weeks right before I went to Israel, like when my lease had ended before I left New York. And I was like, do you want to come meet me somewhere? And she was like, yes. She was like, where are we going? And I was like, let's go to Greece. It's nearby. I've never been, always wanted to go. And she literally just booked her flight like in that moment. And I thank her for that because, and then we convinced another one of our college friends to go. So I met my college friends and we did a trip to Greece and Turkey. And then in this little sabbatical, I'm going to back up and tell you how I, how I negotiated that with Pepsi. But then I had my boyfriend meet me and went to Brazil for the World Cup. He was a huge soccer fan. So that was like how I could convince him to meet me somewhere. And I think we went to like Peru as well. And within that, I had, again, when I told Pepsi I was leaving in April, I just decided, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to take some time off. I was kind of switching roles. So it wasn't like I was leaving anyone high or dry. I had to switch anyway. And I basically said, like, I'd love to travel for, for these two months and take these two months off before moving to LA. Is that okay? And I thought it was going to be a really difficult conversation. And basically, Pepsi said to me, yep, like, just sign, sign this paperwork. It's a short-term disability leave. It basically was, like, almost taking a maternity leave. <laughs> and I remember thinking, why is no one else doing this? Like, why haven't, why doesn't everyone just take these two months off? Like, why hasn't, why haven't they told everyone this is a possibility? It was so easy. So I, you know, I kept my laptop, my computer, my work badge, all, you know, I still had my health insurance, all of that. I took these two months off and then I came back from those travels and I'll let you ask any questions here first. Cause that was where my real like quarter life crisis started when I was like, Oh my God, I can't go back to work. <laughs> but any questions before I that's, go on? That's what more? I was going to ask. What about, what about that trip resonated so much with you that clicked into the new phase of life, which was a painful phase. A quarter life crisis is a painful oh, phase, gosh, but, yeah. but, <laughs> It like sets you from this traditional path of very corporate and and maybe thinking about starting family and all that kind of stuff to veering in a completely different direction. Was there a moment <laughs> in that trip that really just kind of clicked with you and you're like, oh my God, I need to reevaluate everything that I'm doing now? There really wasn't. The, the kind mm. of really big life changes happened maybe six months later. And I'll talk about the, the sparks for that. That moment was really where I started questioning my job and my happiness within Pepsi and this corporate career. And with that, I would say there, there wasn't really one moment. It was just I had been working for like three years or so, which now looking back doesn't sound like that much time. But after being so free, you know, in high school and college, and then being in this corporate world where I was like, I miss freedom. I miss my college friends. I miss being able to do what I want when I want. And I was, you know, waking up at 6 a.m., commuting, you know, three hours every day and just like work, work, work. I was working till midnight, you know, when I get home from commuting, all of that sort of stuff. And then I think I was just free for two months and I was like traveling and joyful and happy and it was one of the first, like, even now when I travel, you know, I work for myself. And so I'm always thinking about work. I, I look back to that time and it was one of the few moments where like, I really just wasn't working and I pretty much knew I, I somewhat had a job to come back to. I wasn't certain, but they had said like, we're going to do our best to try. And if not, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll find a job. I'm not worried. So it was really two months of just like brain off, being present, traveling. And I, and I discovered travel that I really Love. So when I think about like traveling Greece and Turkey and Brazil and Peru versus, and I think I also went to like Cyprus and I don't know, Costa Rica, somewhere else compared to my Europe travel it was a moment where I was like, I loved 
the travel I was doing. And when I was there, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many other countries nearby that I've never been to that I want to go. And to me, so at Pepsi, when I first, you know, for the first five years of working there, we only had two weeks of vacation, like 10 days of vacation days. And a lot of that I would spend, you know, visiting family for Christmas. So like I really had like five or six days, call it like a vacation every year. And my thought was, when this is really where it came to travel. Like, I'm never going to see all these places if I keep working forever. I didn't have a solution yet. That kind of came actually a little bit later, which I'll talk about in a second. But then when I came back to LA, it was getting closer and closer than all of a sudden the reality hit where I was, I was back. I you know met my boyfriend in LA and I was like, I don't want to go back to working at Pepsi. Like even if it's remote, like I, I don't love it. Like I felt like everybody else in brand marketing, not everybody, but the people who really loved it and thrived in it, like they went home at night and were studying marketing articles and like love talking about it and the trends and the apps. And I was, you know, I could do it. I was good at it, but I was like, I don't care about these things the way that these people do. Like, I'm not excited to go back to work. Like I don't miss having a boss telling me what to do. And like just this stressful environment of, of the corporate world. And so I started thinking that was that was the moment like I feel like where my career coaching really comes in now because I was so unhappy, but I didn't know what to do next. And I started thinking like a lot of my college roommates. So I played soccer. I played club soccer in college. And so many of my roommates went to like became physical therapists or like studied kinesiology and did a lot with the body. But I had discovered in New York, there's this osteopath, which is a type of like a different type of doctor, call it. And it's more like hands on medicine, healing. And and for a while, when I got back to LA, I was like, maybe I'm just going to quit my job and go get this medical degree as an osteopath, which is so far from where I am now and not what I should have done. But it was like the only thing I could think of that was just different. I remember talking to my friend who was in medical school being like, what do I have to do? How does this process work? Like really thinking about it. And it seems so hard. And I actually, I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, it's the best next thing I can think of that's different than what I'm doing right now. And again, I think it would have been a horrible path for me for many reasons. But I remember this moment so specifically, I was calling HR. They were like, okay, here's the date. You're going to be gone for two months. Call us on this day. And we'll talk about like what you're going to do when you get back. And so I remember being so nervous, sitting like calling HR and I was calling them to say, resigning. I know you guys gave me these two months, but like, I can't come back. I'm going to go like be a doctor. <laughs> and I, I will never forget this phone call, Jeff. I, I picked up the phone and I called her HR person and I was like, okay, so I have some news to tell you. She's like, okay, but before you do, I just want to let you know, we've been talking and we have this brand new team. We're building out this music team here in New York because Pepsi does a ton of stuff with music. And she was like, we know you need to be in LA. It'd be great to have you manage all of our like music partnerships, be on the music team because there's so many labels and music things going on in LA and you know, all the business, you know, in New York and literally like my jaw dropped because it just it like sounded cool it sounded easy it was different it was fun and I was just like okay (laughs) and I accepted that job instead of quitting and going to medical school or whatever I was gonna do and I can talk about my journey from there but it was just sort of like I don't know it's it's wild to look back at that time that's such a wide range of opportunities that you're (laughs) considering and it's just in polar opposites of of one yeah. another. Okay. All right. So currently you are what? Around 27, 28, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was probably still 26 at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, and I was still in college <laughs> and you've already had many years of college. So, so was this new role once you, you jumped into it, was it interesting and was it fun? Or did you find that those, those hurdles that you were struggling with reporting in and like working for a company were just too much to really fully enjoy this new role. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. What I'll say at this time was that I took the easy path. And there's a quote that I love that says, if you do the easy things in life, life will be hard. And if you do the hard things in life, life will be easy, which is kind of like a mindfuck if you think about it. But 
when I think I did not know this quote back then, I'll explain what I mean by that. So I did the easy thing. I took the music job. I stayed with Pepsi because it was easy. It was safe. I knew what I was doing. It was, it was just like the benefits of it, I'll say, as I was working remotely was that I was no longer commuting three hours. So I had three hours back in my day to sleep, to do my laundry, to go to the gym. I wasn't in the office, like dealing with people day to day, like in my face of, you know, all the senior management and putting in FaceTime. I had a lot of freedom working from my home in LA. So I really loved that. And that's what became so easy. But what was hard is that I still didn't, you know, want to be working for a soda company at the end of the day. I still didn't want to be working for a giant company. I still had a stressful, you know, boss and like everything I did had to be like, you know, my boss to my boss's boss to my boss's boss, you know, like all of the corporate logistics still existed, I was just a little bit more free. And so I was also working, I was on the West Coast, my company was back in New York on the East Coast. So I would start my day later, but everyone else finished at five, which was like 2pm my time. And without all the distractions in the office, I think there's a statistic that says people in offices only actually work like two and a half hours of a day, or it's like two two hours hours. and like 57 minutes or something. And the rest of the time, it's like you're just pulled into meetings you don't need to be in, or you're talking to wonderful people, but like you're just kind of quote, wasting time. And so without that, I feel like I genuinely got my work done in like three or four hours. And I just had more time in my day to like, I'd ride my bike to the beach and watch sunset. And I was like, would go chill by the pool at my lunch break and go to the gym. And it was like, life was so easy. But I was still playing it really safe in a career that just wasn't quite like I, I, there's another quote I love. You guys know I love like cliche quotes, but it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I feel like that's what I was doing at Pepsi. Like I was good at my job. I had built a good reputation. People trusted me. I had really good relationships in the company. So it was easy to stay. But just because I could do that, like it, it not what I should have been doing. It wasn't like the most aligning thing for me at the time, but I just... Yeah, I took that easy path and I don't think the doctor path was right for me, but I remember I had this phone call with my mom. I'll also never forget this when I was trying to decide, like, should I quit Pepsi? Should I like sign up for medical school? And I was like sobbing on the phone. I was so stressed. I was like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) It was a mess. And my mom was like, Marissa, she was like, work is called work for a reason. Like if it was supposed to be fun, it would be called fun. And I was like, I just had this message, like work is supposed to be miserable. And I guess this is what I'll keep doing. And it's not the case. Like I've, I've come so far since then, but that's where I was at in this moment. And those, when I started career coaching many years later, and I did a lot of recruiting while I would also do a lot of recruiting at Pepsi to recruit people to our marketing team. But like, this is the moment where I really think back to that I struggled with. And with coaching, people always say, we often help a past version of ourselves. So the people who usually find me, maybe they're not like sobbing and as as confused as I was. A lot of people are, but people come to me often when they say, like, I know what I'm doing isn't right, but like, I just don't know exactly what that right path is. And like, I've been there, done that. And that's, that's really, you know, in the future why I started helping people with this as well. Over the next phase of your life, you've made more changes than some people make in their entire life. Oh my God. Was, <laughs> yes, I did. There was, I'm sure there were many causes, but were there some certain things that caused you to think that you needed to change everything about what you were doing? Was there a moment yes. that happened? There's there was. Two, two yeah, moments. Tell two, me about those two, two moments. moments. <laughs> The first one was like a smaller one. And then the second one was like the big, like catastrophic moment of my life. It changed everything. The first one. So when I was living in LA, Hawaii is closer to LA than, you know, the East Coast. And my boyfriend and I at the time took a trip there. And when I was on the plane, so people, I'm like obsessed with reading now. I I read a ton of books. I'm obsessed with all things self-development. But at that time in my life, like I did not read books. I didn't have time. I didn't want to. I didn't think I liked it. That I was like, I'm going to be on the beach. I'm just going to be hanging. Like, maybe I should get a book to entertain myself. And so when I was in the airport, I picked up this book, (laughs) the most cliche book of all digital nomad times, which is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. This is the story of a lot of nomads. I feel like of our, like before nomading was a thing, like this is how people learned of it. And I read this book on the plane there on the beach. And I think I finished it on the way home. And it was the first moment where... It was like someone told me that a different life existed. So his whole premise was he 
basically the only thing in the book at that time, like remote work for a company wasn't really a thing, even though I was technically doing that. But it pretty much was like, here's how to start your own business and outsource everything. So you can just work from your laptop from like travel all around the world to all these countries while you're just sort of like doing some things and you you enjoy it, but you're outsourcing everything and you just have a life of freedom. And I read that book and I was like, yes, <laughs> like, how, how do I do this? It's like, why if there, I just remember thinking like, if he could do it, he wasn't like nobody before he did that. Why couldn't I do it? Like, I'm a smart person. I could figure it out. And that was really where I got the wheels turning of like, what could I start? What could I do? What do I like? Like, how am I going to make this my life? And it was really several years later before I actually became a digital nomad, which I'll talk about. But that was one of the biggest moments where I just started thinking differently. Like there's another way of life and it's not the cubicle and it's not an office like everyone else in my world exists. And that was the only world I knew. That was just what I thought you had to do. So that was one kind of like, I would say like the smaller spark that got the cogs that sort of planted a seed for a couple, a yeah. couple of years later. But then shortly Ex- after that, exactly. you, blew every, you really blew everything up. I blew up. everything up. You exploded yes. everything. Tell me about the things. Yes. That, okay. I'll let you, I won't yeah, spoil so You tell us. No, that's, that is a good lead in. So several months after that, I, so I had gotten, like a little bit after that, I got engaged to this boyfriend and maybe six months later. So it was a little bit later, actually, we're still living in LA and I decided to end that engagement. It was a really like best friend, wonderful person, but wasn't the person I felt I was meant to marry. That's a different story for another day. But I decided to leave that engagement. And so when I did that, we had moved to California for his job. And like all of our friends were in New York or my friends were in Atlanta, where I'm from. And we hadn't really had, like, we didn't have a big friend group out in the like, we're both very like friendly social people. Like in New York, we were like the middle of our friend group. But out there when we, I, we were both traveling a lot for work. And then when we were home, I say like home in LA, we spent our weekends, like the two of us, we, he also loved travel. Like we would just go drive four hours to like, we'd drive to like Yosemite or Big Sur or Palm Springs or like, we were just exploring California. So we... We didn't really have a friend group there. And so when I ended this relationship, all of a sudden I was like, why, like, what am I going to do in LA? Am I going to like move into an apartment by myself with no friends here? Like I, I wasn't particularly drawn to LA. I loved that I was living by the beach. I'm a beach girl, but there was nothing really keeping me there. So I packed up my stuff. This is like where I think about like, it just set my future of movement. And when I like from that moment forward, like when I decide to make a change, like it's like snap my fingers for changing. And it takes a like, Everyone afterwards, like, you have so much courage. I had never thought about this word before. But when I look back at my journey now, like, and, and a lot of nomads, I think, like, courage is the main theme just to, like, make a change, take action, and, and like, live an authentic life. That's pretty cliche, but it's it's really important. So, basically, I took a week. I packed up everything I owned. I, like, moved out of L.A. I flew back to Atlanta. And I didn't really know where I was. Like, I didn't want to be in Atlanta. I didn't want to be in New York. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just knew like I wasn't going to be in LA. So I sort of moved back home. I was popping back and forth between New York and Atlanta. And so I had left my engagement, left my home. And then I remember talking to my mom one day. This is like, she was like a big support for me as I was going through this. It was, it was a really hard time. Like I changed, you know, the whole future of what I thought my life was going to be with this person. And she was like, Marissa, whatever you do, just like keep your job. Just like don't quit. Keep one thing stable. And I was like, okay. And then like a week later, Pepsi basically, so you, you rotate teams every now and then. And I had told my boss, but they knew I was out in LA. And she was basically like, all right, it's time for your promotion. They had given me two different job opportunity, like options out in California. And I turned both of them down because I was like, I don't want to be in California anymore. She was like, all right, well, the other option is come back to New York and you can do like X, Y, or Z job. And I was like, but I don't want to be in New York. I like couldn't imagine going back to New York and commuting. So she was like, you know, we've given you these options. You you got to take one or, you know, what are you going to do? So I was like, I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had because it was terrifying. I ended up starting my own business then, which I'll talk about. But my mom was like, oh, God, Marissa, like, what are you doing? I told you to keep something stable. So in that moment, I had been like left an engagement, left the state that I was living in. I had no home and I quit my job. And when I look back at that time, it was easily like the hardest year or two of my life. And like, I have so much empathy for that version of me, but it was like I had to blow everything up and, and start over. And it sort of 
a lot of times when people do that, it's it's sort of these like catalyst moments, either a breakup or a loss or a death in a family or an injury, you know, like something usually happens to set those big moments. And that was mine. Typically, these are the steps people usually have to take in order to start a new dessert business. Would you agree? <laughs> This exactly. is a standard. This is a this is a standard sequence standard. of events. You see it over and over and over again. <laughs> just I'm just kidding. But you started you started a dessert business and and I did. T- tell me, <laughs> we'll do we'll touch on that briefly and tell me how yeah. that was a part of your story in becoming a digital nomad. How did one lead to it? Yeah, it was an important one. So I guess I still had this idea of like, I want to outsource everything and be a digital nomad and work from my laptop. And I have these, you know, to this point in my life, I'd had these marketing skills, this, you know, brand marketing. And as I was trying to figure out, it was right around Christmas time. It was, so it was like about two months after I'd left my engagement, still working for Pepsi remotely. And so my mom had actually, she'd had these four restaurants in Atlanta. There were dessert only restaurants, this bakery that she had started with her best friend when she was about my, my age at that time. She was like 26 and she'd clo- it'd been closed for like 20 years. She sold her business and closed it because she wanted to spend more time with my brother and I when we were younger and she was just working so much. And we're out for a walk and I was like, you know, I don't want to go back to Pepsi. I don't want to take either one of these jobs. I don't know what to do. And she was like, just randomly we were walking and she just got this Facebook message on her phone from like someone who used to buy her desserts like 20 years previously. And she had tracked her down and was like, can you please send me these desserts for Christmas? Like, I will pay you anything. I will do anything. And I was like, what did you put in these desserts? Like, why are people still asking you 20 years later? But in short, it was the, it was a moment where I was like, you know, she was like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to bake. I don't want to do this. And I was like, I could do that. Like I could start your business. It was sort of, I saw this opportunity. It was built in demand, you know, from my marketing hat. It was like a cool family story, like a generational story of mother and daughter. So I was like, I'm going to bring back this business. How hard could it be? <laughs> like, I'll just, you know, bake these desserts. I'll hire someone to do it. And then I'll just run the marketing from my laptop. And that was sort of the idea. I don't want to spend too much time on that, on, on some of these parts. I want to get to the later parts, but basically it took about a year of baking it myself. My mom helped me a lot, even though she swore she would never do it again. I did eventually find someone to outsource the baking part while I worked for my laptop. And I started doing some small travel, like back and forth here and there. But I very quickly realized I hated baking. I didn't like want that to be my brand, what I was talking about. And it was sort of like the Pepsi thing where I was like, I want to eat healthy. Like I try not to eat that much sugar, but here I am like selling desserts. It just wasn't really aligning with me, but it was a really important first step of just doing something entrepreneurial trying and actually sort of being successful at like living the Tim Ferriss digital nomad life. So that was my first kind of step. And then you found the thing that actually helped you become a digital nomad, right? You did. I don't know how you got into this. This is my folks. This is my first time hearing this. I know that you started a college training course. Yeah. I have no idea how it even occurred to you to think to do it and then become successful at it. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's a fun story because I also remember it's like a very exact moment. And I love these pivotal things because, yeah, as I look back at time, you never know like what weird, like this was a Facebook ad actually that started this for me. Like what weird thing will, you know, set you off or person you'll meet or something you'll hear on a podcast, whatever. So while I was running this dessert business, I was learning as an entrepreneur for this kind of e-commerce business. The best way to grow your business is to grow your email list, right? That was like what I had learned. And so then I came across this Facebook ad that was a man named Mike Dillard. I will remember him forever because it sent me on this like online entrepreneur journey. And it was basically a course that said like how to grow your email list. And I was like, well, yes, I do need to do this. Let me watch this little webinar. And basically it was a webinar that sold me a course of how to build online courses. And as I didn't even know that was a business model. I didn't know that was something you could do. And all of a sudden, as I was selling these like small margin products where like it was really stressful to ship like desserts and like get it there on time for gifts and like food that could go bad. And you're making like four dollars, you know, a brownie or something. And then there's these online courses where it's like you can just charge hundreds of hundreds of dollars and you've already you know made this product and you know you have these high margins, not a physical product. And I was just like, yes, how do I like that seems like the best next thing to do. And I was sort of in this moment where I had the courage now of like I've already quit Pepsi. That was the hardest and scariest thing I had done. Like now I'm already off you know, changing my identity, doing things, who cares what I do now? Like it got easier the more I'd like already stepped into this. 
And so as I took this course, so I signed up for this course. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I need to do this. I need to learn how to do this online course thing. And one of the modules in the beginning was like, what course do you want? Like, what should your course be about? And they asked a lot of questions. Like, and I, I still think about a lot of these topics as I do career coaching, you know, now, but I wasn't doing this then of like, if you just genuinely, some of the questions were like, you know, what do you love to do in your spare time? Like, who do you love to help? What do you love to do? And at that time in my life, I know whenever I did work trips for Pepsi to different cities, I loved traveling to college campuses. Like I'd love to go explore them. I was pretty obsessed with my own college experience. I think a lot more than a lot of other people because I had found a place that I, I genuinely loved and a lot of my friends hadn't. And so I was like, I want to help kids like get to the right college like I did. That was like how I, what I enjoyed doing and how I just genuinely enjoyed spending my time and something I could help with. So basically over the next year, I spent a lot, of, I did everything backwards and wrong, but I spent like an entire year just building out a course, learning everything I could about college admissions and saying, excuse me, basically saying like, how can I help families navigate the college admissions process? And so that's how I started. It was called Talk College to Me. The course still exists. Some people like sales still come in from it sometimes, but I realized like it, it, as I kept progressing, there was more things I wanted to help people with. So I let that business go eventually, but that was how I transitioned into that one. And I'm really grateful for it because it was a little step that like a lot of what I learned doing that is what we learned in, in you know, what we sell and do in Beach Commute today, the same sort of business process. So I always tell people with career coaching, action leads to clarity. So if I had just sat back at Pepsi and been like, do I want to be a doctor or a brand marketer at Under Armour or Nike? Like I... I would still be there being like, what do I do? What do I love? But like starting a dessert business led me to this college business, which led me to coaching, which I'll talk about, which led me to beach commute. And you just never know what the random skills. And I feel like I had to go through all those things because I didn't, I didn't know enough to just get there without doing those things. So it's, it's a lesson I've personally been through and that I will speak until I'm blue in the face for the rest of my life about to anyone who will listen. <laughs> so then Tim Ferriss came back into your life. And you yeah. officially, well, officially, or you first started really dipping your toes into becoming a digital nomad by going to Bali. Yeah. Right. So yes, you were currently doing the course. You were selling the course when you went to yeah. Bali. So that that was kind of the thing that made it happen for you, right? This is a this yeah. was like a key stepping stone that brought us to beach commute ultimately today right? yeah. yeah so was and that? that was the moment I met Diego it was like so many years ago now mm -hmm. so for the first two years like even when I was running the dessert business and then beginning the college business I basically was kind of doing like two or three week trips here and there I'd like try to convince a friend to come with me I didn't know something like wi-fi tribe existed I didn't know like remote year and other things existed and basically as I was starting up college business as I was getting it like growing it and getting enough sales to support me a friend sent me an article about remote year she was my best friend from college she and I have traveled to probably like 15 countries together she's my, my from home travel buddy and she was like, this is so cool. It was the first time I'd ever been like, oh my God, there's people like me, like these other people, there's a whole community of people who are traveling the world and working remotely. And at the time, remote year was only like, you had to do the full 12 month program. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to do 12 full months of travel. Like I wanted to kind of come back and forth from home every couple months. And I also didn't want to do like some of the countries they were going to were in Europe and to cities I didn't you know, necessarily want to go. I had a dream to go to Southeast Asia. I should say there was a really important part when I was engaged. So we had like a wedding date set and my fiance, he was from, he'd grown up in Kenya. So he was a big traveler too and loved beaches and travel like I did. And our plan was to quit our, like this terrified our parents. Like I'm, they're probably so glad I didn't do this, but our plan after this, like we're going to get married, quit our jobs. And instead of going on like a two week honeymoon, we were going to go on a six month, just like quit our jobs, save up money, burn through our savings and travel around Southeast Asia and like the South Pacific. Cause that was like, my dream was to go to Thailand and then keep traveling around like all the areas there. So I kind of have this vision, but I hadn't yet done it because I didn't want to go alone. Like at that time, I didn't know communities existed. And I like before I was like, I have this, you know, potential husband to travel with. I don't want to just go experience everything by myself. That didn't sound fun to me. So when I found remote year, I think then I somehow discovered Wi-Fi tribe after like that, that existed. And I was like, this sounds like for me, I'd read this blog post. It was from this girl who had done a chapter in Costa Rica 
And she said, you know, it's like Wi-Fi Tribe is like this family. I'm doing, a, you know, I did a month in Costa Rica and then I'm going back home and then I'm going to do this one. And I was just like, yes, this, this is it. So I remember so specifically, it was January and I applied. I remember I had a call. It was like January 2nd or 3rd or something right after New Year's. I talked to Diego for my interview for Wi-Fi Tribe. And the first chapter that was in Southeast Asia was that September. I was supposed to go, I think, a month before to Vietnam, but then I had a friend's wedding and didn't go. But Bali was like the first moment where I wasn't quite ready in my business to start traveling, but I was like, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to put my deposit down. And by September, like I'm going to figure it out and I am going to Bali. Like that is my plan. And that's where I met Diego. That was so many years ago now, back in 2018, I think. And that was the moment where I really started long-term digital nomad travel. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, we we need to talk about your coaching. I want to move into that a little bit because yeah, you... <clears throat> You do career coaching and yeah, yes, you do career, it's a statement, you do career coaching, which is interesting because you've had so many crazy changes to your career. So do you think yeah. that having made such, hmm, such strange changes in the way that you think and actual yeah. changes to your life and your career has given you a perspective that a lot of people don't have. For sure. I think that, again, like I said, coaching, you usually have help a past version of yourself, right? So there's some coaches who might focus in weight loss because they maybe weighed 300 pounds and lost 200 pounds. And like, they've been through that journey, and they know how to help you. Or maybe they've been through a divorce and they help, you know, people who have been through a divorce. And it's like, you kind of, not that you have to go through because I do and people find me through career coaching and I help with all aspects of their life because I love to, we can talk about that too. Like I, I just love to help and really you can help with anything. But when I think about career like that, when I started coaching, that was the biggest like obstacle that I had really been through and that I was so passionate about because I had left the typical corporate thing, tried something so different, kept trying different things and really learned through self-discovery, like how do you discover what you want to do? How do you find something? Can you find something that you actually love? And oftentimes, you know, now I always tell people, I can talk to someone for about 15 minutes and know in a heartbeat, like this is what you should be doing. I say quote should, like this is what you'd probably be most genuinely happy doing as your career. But then the biggest part is all this mindset stuff that comes underneath it, which is like, if I look back at myself, like I'm terrified to leave Pepsi. This is my identity. This is safe. This pays me well. Like I remember when I started doing this dessert business and people would ask me what I do. It was like an identity crisis. I was like, well, I used to do this cool stuff for Pepsi and work with celebrities and now I'm baking brownies. And like that was terrifying. Like that felt terrible to me because my identity was wrapped up in my work, which so many people I love, you know, I've learned this later once I started traveling in the US when we talk about our careers, we say, I am a marketer, I am an accountant, I am a lawyer, I am an athlete, whatever. And in other countries, we say, I do marketing, I do accounting. It's like, it's not your identity in a lot of countries, but in the US, it's like so wrapped up. So there's there's so many huge, like a, an emotional journey, a mindset shift that goes with having the courage to leave. So when I coach people in one-on-one -on -one or group coaching, or even in our, in our courses, I have a process I walk through that like a lot of people can't do on their own, but I can very quickly say like, all right, here it is. This is what you'd most love doing. And then a lot of that work that we do together is like, what are the next steps? How do you prepare financially? How do you prepare mentally? How do you tell your family and friends that you're quitting this thing that you've studied and done for 10 years to like go be a bike instructor, whatever it is, right? So yeah, I think a lot of that uniquely uniquely qualified for me for that. I can't speak anymore. But then there was also a lot of self-development stuff and then just a lot of my innate like natural skills that I was genuinely... I'm a really good coach because it's how I live my life. Like I was always that friend that people came to, to listen for guidance, to for support. And when I told my friends that I was coaching, they were like, oh, of course you would do this. But it came so easily to me that I didn't realize it was a special skill. And I think that's a really important life lesson for, you know, that I help so many people with career coaching is often the things that come most easily to you that you can get paid a lot of money to do we think is not so special because it comes so easily. You assume that everyone else can do it just as well as you. And I learned through travel actually, and I can talk about that, like that, that was my special gift when I started helping strangers and not just my friends. And that's like, people kind of told me I should be a coach. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know this was a skill or that I could do that. Yeah. Well, you're able to look at things very, very objectively. You've got a skill 
to <clears throat> look at somebody with with and remove your attachment and your emotion, look at this person and say, yeah. here's what's going on. I can say objectively, this is happening, this is happening. And based on my experiences, because you've had experiences left, right, center, backwards, all over the place, <laughs> that this yeah. might make sense for you. And you, you've got a really good way of getting in tune with somebody's psychology and understanding where they're coming from and getting to yeah. what drives them and saying, all right, let's have a conversation. You already know, but let's make them say it out loud. Let's have a conversation yes. about what drives you, what makes you happy. Where's where's your area of, what's it called? Your area of- Your zone of genius. Zone of genius. Area yeah, of your zone. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you've, you've kind of figured it out, but you want them to come to that realization. So you've, you've already yeah. got like a natural ability to do that. And that yeah. actually translates- amazing to what we're doing now so so talk to me about yeah. you you and diego talked to me a couple of years now it's about 2000 i think it was 2020 <laughs> so you were you were doing coaching you were like right in the prime of your coaching and you kind of moved on from yeah. the from the college stuff and there was something in you that said i want to help digital nomads <laughs> was it because you love this life so much and you wanted to blend that with what you were already really good at? Or was there something else that yeah. clicked over? It was a little bit of that. And then also kind of an accidental moment during COVID with Diego. So we'll kind of talk about both. But it's funny, I remember having some conversations with my dad and I was doing all this coaching and he was like, why aren't you doing something to do with travel? Like, why are you not doing business, writing about your travels or blogging or like giving people advice on where to go? And I was like, that doesn't really sound fun to me. Like, I don't want to get to a destination and write about the top cafes. Like some people fucking love doing that. And I personally just don't. And I just didn't quite see, I was like, yeah, I would love to incorporate travel into, you know, what I'm doing for work, but I didn't quite connect the dots or like know what to do or how. And I was loving coaching. And I felt like it was a really important time to like do this one-on-one -on -one coaching and keep learning and getting all of this experience. With that, during COVID, so when I first met Diego back in 2018, we were living in Bali and he and I just love to talk about business. So I, I still do, I guess that's still a common theme. Like I also just love business and understanding, you know, how to grow a business, how to, you know, what do consumer, I still have that marketing mind. There was a part of me that like does still love parts of it. Right. And I remember talking to Diego while we were there and I was like, Diego, you've got this email list of people for Wi-Fi Tribe who, so, and for those maybe who are just brand new listening, Diego is our third co-founder and the, the co-founder of Wi-Fi Tribe, which too long to get into now. If you don't know Wi-Fi Tribe, we'll, we'll talk about another episode. But basically, he had a list of people who wanted to be remote and travel the world and join, you know, chapters of Wi-Fi Tribe, but they didn't have remote jobs yet. And I was like, Diego, like, how can we help all these people? And he was like, that is a good idea, Marissa. I really want to. But like, he just didn't have time. Like, he was so busy managing all these chapters around the world and growing his, you know, current business model that he just didn't have time to focus on that. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to my coaching thing. And we traveled like to Oman together. We were in Thailand together. Like we kept chatting about business, but he was busy and I was busy just like doing our own things. And we kind of help each other from time to time. And then when COVID hit, he had talked to me and, you know, everyone in the world stopped traveling and his only business model was having people pay to go on, you know, trips around the world. And that was no longer possible. And we didn't know how long that would last for. So he was like, all right, Marissa, about that coaching thing and about that email list and about the people who aren't yet traveling, like, let's talk. And that was how Beach Commute was born. So we were saying, like, how can we best help these people who are on your list who can't yet travel? And my gift was a right he you know my gift was coaching and helping all of those people so originally we were just going to do something sort of like a, a one-off thing for wi-fi tribe list which we did we did sort of a live program and then we loved it so much we're like this needs to be its own thing and then as he and i were talking you know chatting about starting this business this is where jeff came in so jeff and diego and i all lived in bolivia together on a wi-fi tribe chapter I feel like we just had like a really fun, like we all three just like love to chat about business and insights and analytics and just like the three of us just get along and got along really well. Right. And I guess like, I don't know if you've probably heard this story, I suppose, but maybe not this clearly. I remember Diego talking one day, we were like, all right, so here's what we're going to start this thing. And here's what it could look like. And here's the course we want to build out. And he was like, what do you think about like bringing Jeff into this? <laughs> have you heard this story, Jeff? I don't know if I've no. ever like first time, first time for everybody thing. right now. 
That is so funny. Like, I'm sure I've told you bits. We were like, we want to work with you. But either way, he said that. And I was just like, hell yes. Like, of course, because the three of us have such different minds. But I remember at first, you know, when you're starting a business, it would have been a 50-50 split of what we had done. And we had already sort of started like, you know, a mini project under Wi-Fi Tribe. And I remember Diego's conversation was like, yeah, if we bring in a third person, yes, we'll have, you know, we'll split this into thirds, but like, it'll be a third of a bigger pot because Jeff has, you know, all of these other SEO skills and marketing skills and analytics skills. And really when I think about it, I was actually talking to someone just a couple of days ago about our business where I was like, if, if I had, if I didn't have to make money, like if I just had a million dollars paid to me, like, you know, every year for the rest of my life. And I just had all the free time in the world. Like, what would I do? I think I told you guys this like months ago as well. I was like, I genuinely just would record and do this business with Jeff and Diego because I love talking to you guys. Like, I love business with you guys. It's like, this is genuinely fun to me. And that's honestly what I help people do in career coaching. It's like, how do you find that thing that like, of course, there's always parts that are a little bit harder and you don't want to do day to day. But for the most part, like, what do you genuinely love doing and how can you get paid to do it? And so along this journey of having the courage to keep making these switches, even when I didn't know where it would lead to or what would make sense, it has brought me to Jeff and Diego and traveling and now doing the career coaching that I love, but also incorporating travel, which is, we haven't even gotten into that. And I guess we talk about that enough on the podcast. I can give like a minute or something of why travel is so important to me, but like, I love it. And I live and breathe this life. And I'm here in Playa. I was talking to someone last night. He was like, is Digital Nomad like a cult? Like, are you paid to like be the evangelical of Digital Nomad life? And I was basically like, yeah, but it's just because I love it so much. And I want anyone who has a desire to live this life, like, I want to help them figure out how to do it. Like, that is what is meaningful for me. And for coaching, it's really just like, how do you live, you know, a free emotional life? How do you do work you love? How do you have relationships you love? How do you live in places that you love? How do you have friendships that you love? Like that's all the coaching I do. And Beach Commute, I think as, as Jeff, you know, you and Diego and I were talking, even like thinking about the name for our business at first, we're like, is it like freedom something? Like we all just care so much about having a life of freedom in whatever way that means, you know, that means something different to every person. But I would say ultimately a Beach Commute, like that's what we're here to do is help you have, you know, find a way to make an income so you can be free of a location, travel the world, learn, grow, and just like have the best life you can, because that's what we do. And I think we're also passionate about sharing that. So you just spent an hour talking about your life <laughs> to it's what's going to be hundreds of to be digital nomads on our podcast to listen to. You might get 500, 600 people listen to this, something like this. And 17,000 people are going to see and hear about your story on our email list. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel good. I want more. I'm like, I want more people <laughs> just to like know the story and, and really just to know what's possible, right? I think as I've learned and I think about my own self-development journey, to me, the most important thing is just like living a life of example of what's possible for other people because I know there was people like Tim Ferriss or whoever else that came before me who showed me what was possible. And so I love to shout from the rooftops now about this life because I think otherwise a lot of people, like it's so important to have real examples of someone to say like, I can relate, you know, maybe you relate to just one little part of my story, but if that's the case and this helps you, you know, to have the courage to, even if you don't travel, just like quit a corporate job or leave a relationship that's not quite right, even though you don't know where it's going or to travel to, you know, I ran into someone in Costa Rica who was like, I literally went to Playa del Carmen because you said on the podcast, like it was a great place to be. And he was like, it was great, you know? So I, yeah, I just want the word to get out to whoever this needs to reach. And so that's why I love that. So I was going to ask you, what do you want the listeners to take away from your story? But I think you pretty much just answered mm. that. <laughs> Unless you've got what something else. What do you think my answer was? <laughs> what do you think my answer was? What did I just say? And then I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> I, I think your answer was that you can do it and you just need to be able yeah. to, you just need to take the leap and it's worth yeah. it. It's absolutely worth it. And mm, you can, it. and you can do it. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, he said it better than I did when I was thinking about it. I think as I think about the story I just told with you, like the word courage comes to mind. And I think as I think about the obstacles that really stop people from being a nomad, and we've talked about a lot of these on the podcast, you and I riff about this a lot, but um, 
to some extent, there's some really important logistics. You have to, you know, go through our process, which we help with. We, you know, we have a course we can we can share and all of that of like which career is right for you and what are the tactics and how do you actually get the job? Like that's really important. But then to have the courage to do it, to say like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of my stuff. I don't know, you know, how I'm going to make it work or how I'm going to make friends or who I'm going to meet when I land in Asia. Like I remember waking up my first morning in Bali before I met anyone from Wi-Fi Tribe because I got there like three in the morning and I was like, what am I doing on this side of the world? I don't know anyone. I just left everything I knew. I'm like single now. I just broke up my boyfriend. Like what? What am I doing with my life? Like it was terrifying and and the best decision I ever made. So yeah, just to have the courage, even when there are obstacles and things feel hard to just take action. Action leads to clarity. And if you have a desire to live this life, it's possible and so worth it. So yeah. And I will say, uh, I can promise you, if you write into Marissa, she will respond to you. And I've seen her responses. (laughs) They're very well thought out and very, 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 very thoughtful. so differently. (laughs) Jeff Jeff will give me some, like a couple sentences response. And I'm like, here's some paragraphs about like my heart. It was meaningful. Why you will. can do it. Very so, encouraging. If you have any questions, your career about becoming a digital nomad, about Marissa's story, do write us in at hello at beachcommute.com and she will yeah. get back to you or I will get back to you. Depends on who you want to talk to. If you want to talk to Marissa. <laughs> who's in the mood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. who's in the mood. Jeff yeah, but if you do have too. any questions for Marissa, she's, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to speak for you more than happy to respond yeah. back to those. Any, any final words? it might words? take us a couple days. Some, yeah. yeah, sometimes it takes us a few days. Like we get a lot of emails and because I like to write thoughtful responses, sometimes I wait until like my energy is in its best place to give you the best response. So if you don't hear back right away, it will come. <laughs> I'll say that because we do at the moment respond like personally to those questions. But write in at hello at beachcommute.com. Check out beachcommute.com slash email. If you want to get on our email list, we send out, I I personally find two remote jobs every week that you can do while you travel the world. Those are awesome. Everyone on our email list loves those. We also send out info about the podcast. And also if the course is interesting, it's currently closed for enrollment at the moment. We're going to open it back up at some time. But I think if you still go to beachcommute.com slash GRE, you can sign up for the waitlist for our online course where Diego and I, this is like originally what we did, like record everything you need to know to figure out which remote job is right for you. I take you through that process that I talked about to figure out like how do you find the remote jobs? How do you actually get an interview, ace your interview, get the offer, negotiate, all of that. So that's what we teach here. Now you know the story of of why we do all that, at least from from my end. And check out, I don't know if you remember the episode, Jeff. We also went through Jeff's whole story. If you haven't listened to that, we are like so opposite of how and why and where we came into these lives and our, our backgrounds and all of that. But it's a really fun one as well. And we'll get to Diego's soon because he's got a totally different fun story too. And yeah, thanks for listening. And I hope it was really helpful for you. Yep. Thanks everybody for listening. And thank you, Marissa, for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for spending an hour with me, sharing with all <laughs> of your for- listeners. <laughs> And make sure to all the listeners, you get on our email list, beachcommute.com backslash email. Marissa also handpicks two awesome remote jobs every week. So you don't have to go through the process of scouring the internet, going through all these job boards and trying to figure out what's the right remote job for me. Marissa's doing that for you and she gets two per week, but make sure you hop on those quick because there are, I'm going to be honest with you all, hundreds of people clicking Mm. on these at this point. We'll have some updated news on that as it progresses later, but make sure you get on the list now because we're going to make some changes to that very soon. Marissa, anything else before we wrap up? No, thanks for asking me all the questions. And yeah, my advice is just have the courage, take the leap, even if it doesn't make sense, just to do the next best thing that feels most exciting. That's my, my last words of wisdom. Great, great last words. Very motivational. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will see you again next week. 